my wife and three kids and I were up at Split Rock Lighthouse. Of course, Split Rock Lighthouse is one of the most popular tourist attractions on Minnesota's north shore of Lake Superior. And on the day we were there, the lighthouse keeper, who's really the tour guide, dressed up as a lighthouse keeper, said that Congress appropriated the money to build the lighthouse after the great storm of 1905. Now, I've lived in Minnesota for 40 years at that time and was pretty good at talking about the weather, like all Minnesotans. Uh, but in this case, I had never heard of the 1905 um, storm, the gale that smacked Duluth. And so I went to the History Center and, and dug into the rabbit hole that is microfilm of old Duluth newspapers and was blown away, literally, uh, by the stories of heroic rescues and dramatic deaths. So I, I ended up picking four boats that were on the lake Thanksgiving week of 1905, making one last run before winter set in. One, everybody survived. One, everybody died. And the Matafa, which was the most well-known of the boats out at, on Lake Superior during that storm, uh, suffered a, a dramatic fate in which half the crew survived and half didn't. One of America's busiest highways, the Great Lakes, largest body of fresh water in the world over which each year ply hundreds of ships of ocean-going size, carrying millions of tons of grain, automobiles, farm machinery, lumber, limestone, and especially iron ore. I think it's important for people to remember that Duluth in 1905 was really a booming town. I think it had just moved to the second largest port in the U.S. besides only New York. So with all that ore and being the westernmost point in the Great Lakes, you have that whole cradle of food coming through. You have ore from uh, the necessary goods that were going to make the bridges and the skyscrapers and the steel that would define the 20th century. There are still many inches of ice on Whitefish Bay, and the ore carriers must stay close on the tail of the cutter. Duluth was booming, but the weather, of course, is unpredictable. And so when the storm hit, everybody in Congress all the way through, you know, yelled, we can't have these kind of storms causing this kind of damage and taking this toll of lives. So they set aside money to build the lighthouse. Well, the demand for steel is greater than ever. and The Matafa, uh, had set out with Captain Humble uh, in charge of the boat. Um, the thought at the time was that a big gale, a big storm had just blown across Lake Superior. So everybody kind of stayed in harbor, all the ship captains stayed at harbor, and figuring that, that with any great storm, there's kind of an exhale after the storm, things kind of calmed down and they had time to make one last run. But this was really a one-two punch and another storm followed right behind it. The Matafa, for example, was caught out on Lake Superior. He turned around and tried to make it back into the harbor. Of course, there's two piers in Duluth that stick out, kind of like the arms of a sleepwalker. And he tried to get in between those with high seas and ended up T-boning into the pier. Um, this was only about 700 feet off the beaches of Duluth. So 10,000 Duluthians came down, built bonfires. Some were gawkers and some were seriously trying to help. But the crew on the boat could hear the voices that 
far away, but the waves were too high for anyone to get to them. So dramatically, several members of the crew in the back of the boat tried to make the long dash between the waves to get to the front, where the captain and, and uh, the first mate and others huddled around the, they chipped wood with axes out of the cabin's quarters, put it in the bathtub to build a fire to stay warm overnight. But the guys who stayed in the back of the boat suffered a much grislier fate. So one of the fav my favorite char characters in the book, and of course these are real characters, was named Mary D. McFadden, and she was the first newspaper woman of Duluth in 1905. She covered the volatile shipping industry. And uh, um, some of the research librarians up at Wisconsin Superior, University of Wisconsin Superior, were nice enough to send me a two-inch thick series of clippings from the newspapers from that storm period in 1905. Um, and many of the stories didn't have bylines, and being a longtime daily journalist, I was kind of wondering, hmm, who wrote these? Well, at the end of this stack of clips was a column by Mary D. McFadden, in which she talked about the frustrations that came with uh, trying to interview these stoic ship captains who just wanted to say, I was just part of the job, and she wanted them to share their feelings and their emotions of being caught in this deadly storm. And so then I could go back through the clips and kind of figure out some, some of her writing styles and writing techniques. And she became a great character and a storyteller in her own right. At one of the readings I gave when the book came out, I was happy to find some of her relatives had come. And I asked them to stand up and everybody gave them a round of applause. And they said that some of their nieces and nephews looked just like Mary D. McFadden's photograph. Kurt Brown's book, So Terrible a Storm, A Tale of Fury on Lake Superior, is currently on sale at national bookselling outlets like Amazon.com. Waiting for the boats in the Lake Superior ports of Duluth, Superior, Two Harbors, Port Arthur, Marquette, and Escanaba are long trains loaded with ore brought down from the Iron Range. These roll out onto loading piers where, when the boats are in position, chutes are lowered into On Minnesota History is a podcast based on the work of Kurt Brown, whose column appears each Sunday in the Minneapolis Star Tribune newspaper. <laughs>